Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. It's actually a huge honor to get to share God's word and to speak to you and I don't know about you, but I felt the presence of God in that worship today. I don't know whether you guys felt it online, but certainly here in the room, God is here. And He's here to meet with you. Three weeks ago, I had a very really unique experience. I was preaching here. You might remember the message, Power Love and a Sound Mind, and preached it in the 8.30, preached it in the 10.30. And it was a really good message, and people were responding and responding to Jesus. When it came to the 12.30 service, something happened to me which has never happened before. I've been preaching since I was 15. That's 36 years I've been preaching. Hundreds, maybe thousands of times, but the 12.30 service, I stood here with 10 minutes to go in my message. And as I started to look at people in the congregation, I started literally to see people through God's eyes. I've never experienced this, but I started to feel His heart for people. And I felt like I became a spectator in what God was doing. I wish I could explain in natural words how powerful this was, but as I came to the moment where we invited people to respond, It was as if I was sitting back and just watching God speak directly to people. When it came to that moment for people to respond, I just knew people were going to respond because it was God that was speaking. And as I gave the altar call, literally, you know how sometimes hands, people give it this ones and people wait. But that 1230 service was different because the second I invited people to respond, hands went like that all across the building, 11 hands in what was a small service. Something, something changed. Something changed in me. Wonder what it would be like if all of us started to see through God's eyes. Started to see people as God sees them. And touch people as God wants to touch them. I believe this isn't just an ordinary service. I believe God's here to meet with you. Come on, who's ready for God to speak this morning? Why don't we pray, Jesus, you are already here. This is your church. This is your word. It is by the breath of your Holy Spirit that people encounter your truth and it changes them forever. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, would you breathe? Would you give us ears to hear everything that you want to say to us? This we humbly ask in Jesus' name. And if you really believe it, say a big loud, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus one more time and honor Him. Just as you're standing, rather than sit down and stand back up, Pastor John said, 
didn't you, a couple of weeks ago, that every time we read the word, we're going to stand. So don't worry if you're not able, but if you are able, we're going to stand to honor God's word. So I'm going to read to you from, from Luke chapter 7. Are you ready? Right, some of you may have heard this before, but don't tune out, tune in to God's word. It says this, then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and she stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he muttered to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he'd know what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly for once. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Why don't you take your seats, get out your Bible, and let's see if we can see something new in this incredible story. It starts with this, then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now, for you guys online, to go to someone's house in the ancient world was a huge honor. It was social, but it was more than that. It was ceremonial. And to be invited to the house of a Pharisee, you don't know what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee was, if you like, the priest, or they were the head religious teacher who were responsible, responsible for protecting the purity of the interpretation of the law. So they were very religious. They were, if you like, the polices of purity. And so Simon the Pharisee, he hears about this guy called Jesus going around preaching. And so they thought, right, let's check this guy out and see if he's sound. And then it says in verse 37, and 
behold. Remember, told you this a couple of weeks ago. Whenever you see the word behold in the Bible, get ready, fasten your seatbelt. Something is about to break open. And my word, it does. It says, behold, three things. A woman in the city who's a sinner. Firstly, she's a woman, unnamed. Unlike Simon the Pharisee, she doesn't count for much. Secondly, she was in the city. Let me explain that. Most scholars think she was a prostitute. Number three confirms it. And she's a sinner. So when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, so she finds out that Jesus is coming. She's already encountered him, already met him. She hears Jesus is in the Pharisee's house, so she makes her way there. And she brings an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She comes prepared with her offering. And what you've got to remember is in the Middle East, women weren't allowed, and still today under the Taliban, women aren't allowed to meet with men. So she crept in at the back and the men would be reclining, lying down, having a theological discussion. This often went on for hours. And she sneaks in at the back. You've got to keep quiet. Don't be seen. Don't be heard. And she's watching Jesus. So here we have this scene. We have the top of the ladder, the Pharisee, the police of purity. And down at the bottom of the ladder, We've got a prostitute and a theological discussion in the middle with Jesus. It's a really interesting scene. Now, if you go to somebody's house, all right, sorry, what's your name again, sweetheart? I forgot your name. Yeah. Louder. Lisa. Lisa. I see you around all the time. But let's say I went to Lisa's house. She was kind enough. Stand up, Lisa. Come on, real quick. Don't worry. Lisa, if I was to come to your house and knock on the door, what's the first thing that ha- you would do? You'd open the door and you would say hello because that's what you do. Hello. All right. And then if we were friends and your, your husband, let's assume your husband was home, what would you do next? Either bring him over or you would invite me in. All right. What's the next thing that happened? Here's what I'd do. I would say, do I need to take off my shoes? Is that right? All right, and depending on how posh Lisa's house was, I would, I would either go in. So let's say I walk in with you to, to meet with you and your husband. What, what would you do next? You would expect me to tell. All right, at least now we know. So posh house Lisa, all right. Once we got inside, what would happen next? You would offer me a drink. What drink would you normally offer? Tea or coffee. And if I'm really lucky, a custard cream, but because your house is posh, chocolate hobnobs I would be expecting, all right? Who loves a good chocolate hobnob online? Yeah, there we go, all right? So do you see how there's certain things, you can sit down now, Lisa. Do you see how when you go to someone's house, there's certain things you always do? In the Middle East, it was far, far more structured. There were certain things that you always did. And the level of honor which you attached to your guest not only determined whether you had custard creams or chocolate hobnobs, it was far stricter than that. So if it was an honored guest, you would bring them in. Your servant, the first thing they'd do, you'd offer to clean their feet. Servant would get down, clean their feet, dusty, dirty roads, and then you would offer them the ceremonial bowl so that they could wash their hands. And there was all types of things that you did. 
here on this occasion, the Pharisee invites Jesus and does none of it. If you were there in the first century, you would say they dishonored Jesus. Didn't offer him a bowl, didn't respect him enough to clean his feet. So there at the back is this woman. We know she's already met Jesus. She's already encountered his love and his grace and his forgiveness. We know that because the Bible tells us when she hears that Jesus is at Simon the Pharisees, she goes there and not only does she go there, she brings him an offering of costly oil. She's saying, I just want to hear him. I just want to thank him. I just want to get around him because that's what Jesus does. And she's there. And she's watching this unfold. The Pharisees dishonor him. They don't clean his feet. They don't offer him the washing bowl. They actually shame Jesus. And she stood there watching. The Bible says she starts to weep. But then something rises up within her. She's like, if you're not going to do it. And she does what no woman should ever have done. She bursts into the scene. She falls at Jesus' feet. And with her tears, she washes his feet. Then she untangles her hair, which normally only wives or prostitutes did. She dries his feet and then anoints them. Man, if you were there, you would cut the air with a knife. She said, if you are not going to honor him, I will. And so we're left with this tension. How will Jesus respond? Well, firstly, we get an insight into how Simon the Pharisee responds. It says, verse 39, when Simon, who'd invited Jesus, saw this, he spoke to himself. Have you ever spoken to yourself and muttered, this man, this Jesus, He's such a great prophet. He would know what kind of woman she is. And this whole concept of untie, well, that just proves she's a prostitute. And that's what Simon the Pharisee is thinking. Simon said, she is a sinner. Come on, everyone give him a boo. How does Jesus... Respond to Simon. He responds two ways. Number one, a story. And number two, a question. Don't you love Jesus? So Simon, mate, over here. There's a guy who was owed money by two people. First one owed 30 grand. It's about a year and a half's wages. The other owed him three grand. But he decides to forgive them both. Which of the two do you think would love him more? I know that's a great way to respond. With a, and Simon, I love what it says in verse 43. Simon answered and said, 
I suppose, <laughs> you know. It's like begrudging. It's like you've got me here. So I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, you've judged rightly. <laughs> up, in the, up until that point, he hasn't been judging rightly. And then, and I love this, this is one of my favorite parts in the whole of the Bible. He turns to Simon and he says, Simon, do you see this woman? What a question. Do you see her? Do you see her as a person or do you see a label? Do you see her humility and her humanity or are you policing her purity? Do you see her generosity and her love for me and her devotion or have you whacked a huge big label over? She is a sinner. Simon, do you see this woman? I love that thought. How do we see people? Do you see them as Jesus sees them? Do you see just how much he loves them and how gracious he is to them? And Jesus takes a moment to realign Simon's perspective. Pastor John preached an incredible message two weeks ago on the process of realignment. Last week, the path of realignment. And today, realigning your perspective. He says, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss me. You did not anoint my head, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. I never saw this in the first service, but as I'm reading it now, here's what I love about Jesus. Simon saw everything that she'd done wrong, but Jesus saw everything that she'd done right. How good would it be if we knew that Jesus is not looking to trip you up? He's not looking to condemn you. He's actually looking to make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do we see people? Do we see the gold or the dirt? Do you see their history or do you see their destiny? How do you see people? You say, Steve, well, I'm not like Simon the Pharisees. Of course you're not. That's why Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisee. Because it starts with small things and it can work its way into you without you hardly recognizing it. So can I get really personal? Let's talk about how I started to become a bit of a Pharisee. The vaccine. I did a lot of reading about the vaccine. We produced a video as a church. I know where I stand, where we as a church stand. But in my family, on both sides, there are anti-vaxxers. And every now and again, when they send me stuff, it just gets under my skin a bit. Can I be honest? And sometimes I get really angry. And Jesus has to say, do you see the person or do you see the issue? Because it's very easy to start seeing 
anti-vaxxer and start treating them according to the label rather than seeing the person. You know, as a, as a family, we've made a decision. We're just going to agree to disagree. Why? Because the person and family unity is more important than the issue. Can I suggest that as a church, our unity, our alignment is far more important when whether people are vax or anti-vax, let us see people and love people and look beyond divisive issues. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Husbands, do you see your wife? Wives, do you see your husband? When was the last time you really saw them? It's the last time you physically looked into their eyes. The Bible says the eyes of the window, not the Bible, it was Shakespeare said the eyes are the window of the soul. You know, sometimes we can start to see all the things they're not doing, all of the failures. Or do you see all the things they do do for you? Do you see this one? I'll just have a little check-in with Mrs. Morstan. Just make a little bit of eye contact. By the way, I forgot to mention this at the start, but I've got to say I'm pretty proud of my wife for writing this book. All right. It's available in the cafe afterwards or online on Amazon, but... You know, you can, you can start to. Your gaze can be so fixated on a screen or your job or a business that that's all you see. Do you see this woman? Let's be people that see. Take the time to, to see, to actually look into their eyes and love them. You know this question, do you see this woman? It leads me to another question. I think it's really powerful. First part is how do you see others? But the second one is how do you see yourself? Because so often how we see ourselves is determined by how others have seen us. But how does God, if he was to look at you right now, what would he see? What does he think about you? You know, the way we see ourselves is often the product, as I said, of the way others have seen us, especially if you grew up with a Simon the Pharisee, maybe as a father. It was always high expectation and you constantly felt like you didn't measure up. Maybe the Simon the Pharisee that you grew up was a church or a denomination which was high on purity and low on grace. And so you're constantly reminded by that little voice, Pastor John calls it Percy the Parrot, that tells you, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You call yourself a Christian. You're supposed to be a good father, a good mother, a good son. And this voice plays and shame starts to define who you are. You start to believe that what you have done determines who you are. Your dysfunction begins to define, demoralize, and defeat you. And the voice of shame turns into, I'm no good. I'm worthless. I'll never amount to anything. I can't do it. And some of us need to stop remembering what God has already forgotten. 
I said, we've got to forget what God has already forgotten. The Russian author Dostoevsky spent years in a Siberian prison and he said this, it's a long quote, but I saw it yesterday on Phil Cook's Instagram and it made me think. It says, above all else, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to a point where he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him. And he loses all respect for himself and others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. Wow. I wonder what would happen if we stopped believing the lies about ourselves. Started to believe the truth. And realign our perspective with his perspective. Start to see ourselves as he sees us. Start to see others as he sees them. You're thinking, Steve, that sounds really easy. But how do we do that? Just having a quick look around, see who's here. Did I hear Luke Brendling was here? Did someone say that? There he is at the back. Come on, let's give it up for Luke. He's a good man. It's good to see you, mate. See, how do we align our perspective with his? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Young people, this would be a great passage to read this week. Legends coming back from camp. 1 Peter 2. Let's read from verse 4. How do we realign our perspective? It says, coming to him. We're going to do this later in the service. Because it's always how you realign you. Coming to him. To a living stone. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Verse 6. It says, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Everyone say Cornerstone. Type it on the chat in the online, cornerstone, elect and precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Now in the ancient world, if you were a mason and you were building a huge building, and my name's Morstan, it derives from mason. And so if I was living in the old days, I'd probably be working with stone. And what I would do is I would go and I'd pick out, first thing you do is you pick out a cornerstone. The cornerstone was the most important part of the whole building for two reasons. The first reason is this, it was a source of alignment. You placed it strategically and precisely and carefully and, and meticulously. Why? Because every other stone had to be aligned with the cornerstone. Very carefully, very specifically. A cornerstone is a source of alignment. Cornerstone is a source of alignment. If you want to align your thinking, you've got to start to see yourself as the cornerstone sees you. If you want to speak about yourself, speak about you the way that the cornerstone speaks about you. All you young people that have come back from camp, make sure that cornerstone is aligning your thoughts, you're reading his word, you're finding out who he, he says you are, and you align your self-talk with that. But secondly, a cornerstone speaks of security. The strength and security of the whole structure depending on the, depended on the cornerstone. That's why masons would spend hours looking. They'd turn it over and they'd find and they'd be looking for hairline cracks because they needed to make sure that everything was, that was built upon it would be secure because the cornerstone had to have the capacity to bear the weight. 
And Christ is our cornerstone. Why? Because on the cross, he bore the weight of all of your sin and all of your weakness. He bore it, the things that you no longer have to. And I love this picture. I found it on Google of the cross. 1 Peter 2 verse 7 says, Therefore to you who believe he is precious. It says the stone which the builders rejected. So many times the builders would look at a stone and think, no, that's not good enough. It's not per, and they'd throw it aside. And they threw aside Christ and they stuck him on a cross. But thank God that the stone that the builders rejected became our cornerstone. The good news is you may have been rejected in life, but that doesn't disqualify you because God takes the rejected and he builds something of substance on it. The fact that you've been rejected does not disqualify you in God's eyes. It may just qualify you. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Before this service, as I prayed about this service particularly, God gave me a picture, and this is some of you. Some of you in this room right now, here's what happened, is you were aligned. You were aligned, just keep that picture there with the cornerstone. You'd been placed there, but every now and again in life, earthquakes come. And not just the earthquakes like devastated uh, uh, Haiti. Sometimes earthquakes come and they just dislodge by a fraction. And some of you, you're a believer, you trust in Christ, but things have happened over this COVID period. There has been a shaking and it shook you. It shook your faith. And if you're honest, there was a little bit of disalignment. Young people, when you come back from camp, you're nicely aligned. But how many know that even sometimes it only takes a week for an earthquake to hit you and it can knock you out of alignment and you start questioning. And some of you in questions said, God, where are you? Why did you allow this to happen? But I want to encourage you. He's still the cornerstone. You may have been rocked. You may have been moved, but he has stayed the same. He's a strong tower. He's a safe place. When you are weak, he is strong. When you sin, he is your righteousness. When all things are falling apart, he has the ability to hold it all together. Christ is our cornerstone. It goes on in verse 9, says, but you. Say to the person next, come on, look them in the eye, say, but you. Come on, a bit louder, but you. It says, you. Look at this. I'm looking at Big Mark Taylor, but you are a chosen generation. You, Lisa, are a royal priesthood. You, young people, are a holy nation. You, every one of you online and in this room, you are a special people. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. You are special. You are not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are when you build your life on the cornerstone. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his most marvelous light. You're chosen, you're royal, 
You're holy, you're special, that you may go into dark places and bring God's light. You say, Steve, how do we do that? I'm going to tell you a story. Do you like stories? I'm going to finish, Joseph does, I'm going to finish with this story. Many of you know that we lived in Australia for many years. And in 2012, a 25-year-old woman visited our church in Brisbane. She had quite a story. She grew up in America. She was a pastor's daughter. When she turned 18, she decided to come to London for her gap year. She got into the party scene and then drugs and very tragically got embroiled in the sex trade, became a prostitute. And they trafficked her to Brisbane, to the Fortitude Valley. She worked there for seven years as a prostitute. Her father in America didn't even know she was in Brisbane. He thought she was still in London. Can you imagine that, Molly's parents? And there she was in Brisbane working as a prostitute. And there was an incredible lady in our church called Jacinta. I think Trevor and Joyce, you met an Irish girl. She had a tough background herself, but she made Christ her cornerstone. She didn't have much money. She was a cleaner. But she didn't do a job for money. She did it because she loved people. And her job was to clean the bathrooms of Brisbane's brothels. And we gave our church an invitation. It's called a color brochure. Color is a conference that empowers women. And it was a beautiful brochure, about 20 pages. And inside every page was a story of a woman whose life had been changed. When Jacinta was given that brochure, she thought, these stories are amazing. These could help my girls. So in the first week, she cut out a page. She went into the bathroom in the brothel and she sellotaped it next to the toilet roll holder. And the girl is plying her trade as a prostitute, goes into the bathroom afterwards, sees this story. And at first she's interested. Wow. And so the, she throws it away. So the next day she goes in, she just into places another, a different story cut out of the same brochure. This time the girl starts reading, she starts to get angry. So she throws it away. Next day, Jacinda cuts out another page, puts it in the bathroom. This time this girl is angry. She confronts Jacinda, she says, do you really think that God is interested in somebody like me after all that I've done? Jacinta sees her with eyes of love. She said, God loves you. Come to my church. She comes into the church. The very first week at the end, she puts up a hand, makes a decision for Jesus. And over that month, she starts to lose all of her clients turns her back on that lifestyle. But to, to be honest, she still struggles. Church, let's remember that 
That decision is just a first step. There are many other. Let's have grace for people. And she still felt dirty. She still felt shame. She didn't know whether she could trust men, trust church, just trust Jesus. She came to our church about a, one month after that first decision. At the end of the service, we were all in the atrium. Just kind of hanging out. And in Brisbane, we had a really cool pizza van. You could buy pizzas for $10 after church. They were epic. One of our pastors, his name was Tim Andrew. He was stood there eating one of, our, one of the pizzas, but they were huge. Not like Pizza Express. And he'd finished eating a few slices, and then he, he was just walking around the foyer offering a slice to his friends. She's looking at this, and then Tim walked over to this ex-prostitute and offered her a slice of his pizza. It's a simple act of kindness. In that moment, something happened in her life. Her mind went back to where she grew up in a church where men would do those kind of things be kind, place value and dignity on women. And then she compared it with seven years of men taking from her, her dignity, her worth, her value. The simple act of a pastor offering a bit of pizza did something. She decided... I'm going to trust men. I'm going to trust God. She gave her life fully to Christ, the cornerstone in that moment. She went back from Brisbane, back to her dad. The bit about the story I love is that her dad didn't judge and condemn her. He held her. He loved her. As far as I know, he never mentioned her lifestyle anymore after that. She enrolled in college. I believe she's, last I heard, she's finishing college. She's in a church there. Her life has been radically and totally changed. What if we were all like Jacinta? What if we saw that our jobs and our workplace were not just opportunities to make money? But what if every interaction was an opportunity to love people, to see them through God's eyes, to treat them as God treats them in your workplace, in your business? What could you do this week to place value on women? Do you see this woman? What if within our church, in our atrium we gave someone a piece of our pizza we shouted somebody a coffee we invited somebody to our group we invited someone home for dinner you know we can all do something which could be life changing when we place Christ as our cornerstone I'd like us all to stand for a moment we're going to sing this beautiful song but there's two people two people in here that God specifically spoke to me about the start of the service and the first one is you Mark I met with you for coffee this week see that guy Mark with that just put your hand up Mark 
this guy should be all of our heroes all of our heroes this this guy is a chaplain in our city in the hospital can you imagine the tsunami of grief that has hit that hospital over the last 18 months and guess who is the first person they call for it's Mark he's at the bedside weeping with those who weep when there's been a suicide he has been there Mark we want to thank you as a church for all that you've done for all that you've done we honor you mate but I want to pray for you Trevor and Joyce this is my father father-in-law and mother-in-law would you go and stand with him so much has gone out from you, Mark. You have given so much. I believe some, maybe you've been shaken a little bit, but God is going to fill you and realign you. So come on, would everyone stretch their hands out to Mark? Let's ask God to touch him. God, would you fill him right now afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you touch him and do a work? He's given so much to others. In this moment, would you refill him and realign in every area of his life? May this be a moment where you touch him just keep praying for Mark for a moment over here Gordon Gordon there's I can only imagine the earthquake that has hit your life recently and of course there's been a shaking but God wants you to know you may have been shaken but he is still your cornerstone he has not changed he's moved he still loves you so come on reach out your hands those of you around him let's just pray God I want to thank you for Gordon that you love him that you you are his cornerstone in the middle of the night when he's alone when he feels that loss God would you continue to be there for him just keep praying keep praying we're going to sing this song cornerstone there's many of you if you're really honest you have been shaken in this season maybe your faith has been shaken maybe your family has been shaken as we sing this song i'm going to invite you to really reach out to christ your cornerstone come on everyone look at me if that's you if you say steve if i'm being really honest I've been shaken in some area of my life. Come on, put up your hand. We're going to pray and believe God. Here's what we're going to do. There's lots of you. As we sing, that scripture in, in 1 Peter, it says, coming to Him. I would love you as we sing this song as a step of faith to come to Him and to fill this altar and say, God, I'm going to realign my life and my perspective. God, would you, I'm just going to leave it with you. I'm going to get Pastor John in a moment to come and we're going to leave all of that stuff at this altar. We're going to take a few moments. The presence of God is here. If you've been shaken, saying, Jesus, would you be my cornerstone? Then you come if you feel comfortable and stand. We're going to pray and believe for a divine realignment in your life. If you're not comfortable coming forward, that's fine. Stay where you are. Lift up your hands. If you've been shaken, coming to Him. Come on, let's sing this together. You come, slip out of your seats. Stand here. just want to speak to one more group of people. Just as I stood there, I could sense God's love for every single one of you, especially for those that haven't yet said yes to His love. And just as Steve talked about the woman that came to Jesus, she had a history, but He saw her destiny. He reached out 
with value, with dignity, with love. Right now, He's more interested in your destiny than your history. And He's walking up and down these rows and these aisles, looking for hearts that will respond to Him. And maybe you've come for the first time today. You've come with a friend. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you've not yet acknowledged your need for Jesus. Maybe you're saying, oh, I'm not sure because of my background and my mistakes. Or maybe you're saying, I'm not sure if I know enough. Or maybe you're saying, I'm not sure if I can trust. I'm not sure if I can bring, make the change that is needed. All of those questions you've got, God is saying, I'm one that can be trusted. Just take one step. He's saying, I love you regardless of what has or hasn't been done or said over your life. And He's also saying, come as you are. He wants you to belong. He wants you to come home. He wants you to know that your sin and your past is forgiven forever. He wants you to feel secure and anchored. He wants you to make Him your cornerstone because when He is first in the cornerstone, all of your other relationships, all of your other decisions come into alignment. So could I ask that every head be bowed and every eye closed and Jesus is looking out now to every heart with love and He's saying, come home young person, young girl, older woman, couples, young man, older man. He's saying, come to me. It's never too late. It is never too early. It's your day today. It's your day. I'm gonna ask after three that if you want me to include you in a prayer, just as that young girl that came into that church in Brisbane, she put her hand up and she responded. And we're gonna pray a very simple but significant prayer just now before we close the service. I'm not gonna embarrass anyone, but I wanna know who I'm including in this prayer. So if you're coming to acknowledge that I need Jesus in my life for the first time, or maybe you are coming back because you've drifted away, you've got disappointed, you once walked with Jesus, but you've got cold in your heart and you know that you need to come back today. Or maybe you're watching online, you're in your living room or wherever you're watching, you're saying, my heart's been beating a little bit faster during that message. And there's something that stirred a loving response. He wants to give you hope right now. If that's you across this room from the front to the back, I'm gonna ask that you raise your hand after three, high enough and long enough for me to see where everyone has their head bowed and eyes closed. I wanna know who I'm including in this prayer. So right now, today is your day. Don't put it off. Just shoot your hand up high enough and long enough. One, two, three. That's it from the front to the back. Thank you over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you at the back. Anyone else responding to Jesus today? Online, if you're responding, our church are clapping for you as well online. But I want you to join with me online. Maybe put your hand on your heart. If you raised your hand, but you were too nervous to raise your hand, maybe just put your hand on your heart and let's pray this prayer together. We're all gonna say it as a big church family together after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me just as I am. Right now, I choose you. I ask you into my heart. Forgive me of my sin going my way. Today, I choose your way. Help me to follow you. Help me to trust you for the rest of my days and for all eternity. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Can we applaud again each and every one that has responded to Jesus? Thank you. If you put your hand up in here or you prayed that prayer in your heart and meant it, we would love to give you a Bible as the second step. The first step was praying the prayer. The second step is acknowledging this is just the start. And our, our team will be waving these out of the doors at the back at the atrium and catch their eye and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And we would love to give you, it's a beautifully illustrated Bible um, with the story that Steve talked about today, even if you already have a Bible. And we would love it if you wouldn't mind giving us your contact number or email so we can help you take your next step to knowing God better. But again, a huge, massive well done and welcome to the family of God. It's a decision you will never, ever regret. Keep coming back to church and make sure you see someone on your way out. Can we thank Steve for an incredible message? Are you encouraged by that? Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.